Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Podcast To Be Named Later. We don't really have a name yet, but uh, I'm here. It's myself, Dylan, with CJ. Hi, nice to meet y'all. And Ashton. What's up? Uh, Ashton doesn't really know anything about football or baseball (laughs) or basketball. Or Or anything for that matter. Or hockey. He knows soccer. He knows a little bit of soccer, but... The one thing that we can... We don't talk about that right now. So, welcome to the podcast. Hope y'all enjoy. Obviously, this is just kind of a trial run, trying to get some feedback from the listeners so we can figure out what to do better, what to fix for next time. So, just start talking some sports. So, where do y'all want to start? Um, Why don't we start with last night, Monday Night Football? All right, Monday Night Football. (laughs) What a game. First things first. Uh, Well, what a game for one team. Yeah. And the the other team has some significant concerns going forward. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, he's got to figure out how to pass. Yeah, I mean, man. He, he can last year. He can run the heck out of the ball, but whenever they fall behind, it does not seem like he can do anything to get back in the game. And I saw something earlier saying it was his worst week since week five of last year. And I mean, it means he's still a good quarterback, obviously, but I think he definitely has some work to do. He cannot beat the Chiefs, that's for sure. Yeah, no. I just think the Ravens have a very, very susceptible game plan in terms of Lamar Jackson cannot throw the deep ball. He can throw a short ball, and he can take off and run when he needs to. But when he needs to is every play. Yeah. And that's the issue is that they they have designed their offense to run like a triple option. It's a high school offense in the NFL. And as soon as a team catches on to that, which is what the Chiefs did on Monday night— it's so easy to stop because they know he can't throw the ball. They know that one of three people is going to get the ball and swing to the outside and run, and that's all they do. So, Check down to Mark Andrews, but he hasn't even been that effective this year so far, Mm -mm. and they haven't been able to hit Marquise Brown on any deep routes at all. He's been very ineffective as well. Yeah, no. Stay away from the Ravens in fantasy. That's what we're trying to say. And, I mean, maybe trade low if you could get him. Lamar Jackson might be might be good if you could get him for cheap, but I would not give anything of value for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. The other team, on the other hand, you, you my, want every piece of them in fantasy right now. My boy Pat Mahomes. 385 with four touchdowns, 31 of 42 last night. And a touchdown on the ground. And a touchdown on the ground. So five touchdowns total from Patrick Mahomes last night. And they ranked him number four in the yep, league at quarterback the at the thing. beginning of the year. As soon as I saw that, I was like, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, and they need to change this right now. He even, is a man even last on a mission. Week, I saw um, they rated like the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and he was three behind Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And I, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. There's no argument or debate about that at all. Ah, man, I don't know about that. I, I, I would debate that Russell Wilson is at least on the same level as No, him. Patrick I, Mahomes is better. I would debate. I would debate all day long that Russell Patrick Wilson Patrick Mahomes is already has an MVP, Wilson. already has a ring, and already has a World Series. And yeah, He has a Super Bowl MVP as well. CJ says World Series because we're sitting here watching yeah. the Indians and the Yankees right now. Yeah. But, Patrick uh, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. We'll debate about that later. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, speaking of men on a mission, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. What's your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers right now? He looks good. He I, he got mad that they drafted his replacement, and he has yeah. done everything in the world. He's, he has gone out. He is on a mission. He wants He's to kept, prove the Packers nope. wrong, and there is no doubt about that. Let's pull up his stats from this week. 
and I, it doesn't even look like he needs weapons. That was the whole argument. He doesn't have a first-round pick. He made Allen Lazard look like a freaking first-round pick. And, I mean, if he has Devontae Adams healthy and Aaron Jones healthy, I don't think that there's anybody that's going to stop them. No, no doubt. No doubt about it. So you look at his stats for this season. Through three games, 887 yards and nine touchdowns. Just this past weekend against New Orleans, 283 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. That's good. That is, that is very good. I am excited to see what he does the rest of the year. They have an easy schedule. I was looking at their schedule earlier. I mean, it, I'm not saying 16 and 0, but I'm saying like 14 and 2, 13 and 3 is very easily possible. Well, a lot of people forget that they went all the way to the NFC Championship last year. Yeah, I forgot that too. Yeah, not not many people realize just how good the Packers were last year. They flew so far under the radar because you had the emergence of the Ravens and the emergence of the 49ers, and everybody knew the Chiefs were already going to be good. But those were your three big storylines last and year. And then also the Cinderella story of the uh, the Titans, Titans in yeah. the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. So. And then the Rogers or Rogers and the Packers also had a very forgettable NFC Championship, and they got killed. Yeah, you don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> they made not, it there, but yeah. they didn't do very good. Yeah, not many people even remember who was in the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> but moving on. Where should we go next? Um, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. <laughs> and the Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. Dan Quinn. What do we think on Dan Quinn? I, I am a Falcons fan. I will say this. I'm a Falcons fan. I'm a Braves fan. I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I'm Atlanta. Homegrown. I have been saying since 2016 to fire Dan Quinn. He needs to be gone. I'm and there with you. Arthur Blink just wants him to stay. Last year he was 1-7. Arthur Blink was like, I don't think I've seen enough. And the Matt Ryan decides to go win six useless games in a row, and they finish seven and nine. And then so far we're zero and three. We've blown two point or two sixteen plus point leads, and Arthur Blank again comes out and says, "I'm going to give him more time." Dan Quinn has had enough time. He needs to be gone. We are wasting Matt Ryan and Julio Jones's careers. We should already have had one ring, and I would have hoped for a second. But I think that something needs to change. Something needs to change fast before they get too old to have any shot to win at all. I agree. I agree. Let's take a look. That, that Falcons offense is fifth all-time in points scored per game. The 2016 Atlanta Falcons offense, fifth all-time. Yeah. We made the Super Bowl, and we lost. In horrible so, fashion. <laughs> yes. So a lot of people blame the Super Bowl loss on Kyle Shanahan's offensive play calling down the stretch. But at the same time, you look at this team. What did we bring Dan Quinn in for in 2015? We brought him in to fix the defense. Defense. He was the defensive coordinator coordinator in Seattle. One of the best defenses of all time, the Legion of Boom up in Seattle. He was the guy that put that together, and he was the guy that coached those guys up. So if we have the most talented, most high-octane offense in the league, but our defense can't do anything, what does that tell you? Something's need to have been fixed for forever, but I mean, in 2016, we had the defense wasn't amazing, but it was it was it was a bunch of average players in the middle of their primes, and it just the timeline lined up perfectly. And then Dan Quinn taught them new things that he had learned from the Seahawks, and I mean, it worked and it clicked. And they held Tom Brady to three points for the first three quarters, mm-hmm. and they fell apart. But that's that's a different story. And what have, what have we seen this year? We have seen that happen twice more, ladies and gentlemen. 
We have twice this year blown leads of 15 points or more with less than 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. Yep. He cannot close games. He awful game manager. He had to hire someone to come in and manage the game for him down the stretch. Not many people know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I definitely didn't know that. He he has an assigned position called game manager, game management official of the Atlanta Falcons. I forget his name. I'd have to look it up. Interesting. But that, that interesting. that's an issue. Now, another issue in and of itself is Dirk Cutter. Worst offensive coordinator in the entire National Football League. And you cannot tell me different. We have... Did Jameis Winston throw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns because of him or because of his offensive coordinator? And sure, Dirk Cutter wasn't there when Jameis Winston had that 30-pick season last last season. Mm. But who was the guy teaching him how to run an offense the whole time? Yeah. It was Dirk Cutter. Uh, To be fair, Matt Ryan and the offense, they do look good. Todd Gurley has been supplemental. I mean, he hasn't been exactly what we hoped for, but he's been a lot better than he was in the Rams the last year. But Calvin Ridley looks like a stud. Julio Jones is back this week. Russell Gage looks like a very, very good third wide receiver. Hayden Hurst looks like a good signing at tight end. The offensive line is relatively healthy. The offense has potential to be very good. The defense is just where the problem is for the Falcons, and they cannot hold leads at the end of the game. They start playing back. They, they aren't aggressive anymore. They're t- they get tired, and they just get beat up. Well, yeah, and I think part of it is also the fact that, they, they one, they can't run the clock. They cannot. Nope. Try, tried to run the clock. Actually, they didn't even try to run the clock in the fourth quarter. They Dirt Cutter thought that they weren't up by enough, gave Matt Ryan the ball, and told him to go score a touchdown. And you run 11 seconds off the clock, and Nick Foles scores 20 points in the fourth quarter. That's ridiculous. It's bad. But... As much as you want to say the defense is awful, which week one, there's no excuse. Every single player on your roster outside of Kendall Sheffield is healthy, and you're going to give up that many points to Seattle. And sure, Russell Wilson is playing as arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. He has more touchdowns, (laughs) more passing yards than anybody in the league. But you can't give up that many points to anybody. That many points or that many yards to anybody with a fully healthy defense. There's no way. Now, week two, you're talking about a different story because week two, the injury bug hit everybody. Yeah. Everybody in the league. You saw, what was it, four or five guys go down to torn ACLs? It was bad. It was you had like bad. Saquon, Nick Bosa, Cortland Sutton, another guy on the 49ers. Did you already say Saquon? Yeah, yeah I said Saquon. McCaffrey went out for a while. McCaffrey's out with a broken ankle. Le'Veon Bell went out in week two. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of healthy, strong people. Yeah, a lot of sprains. And and Raheem Mostert went out for a while. And the Falcons the Falcons were not spared from that. They had quite a few key injuries, including Caleb McGarry, but that's on the offensive side. Um, this week, we lost. We didn't have Kendall Sheffield. We didn't have A.J. Terrell. We didn't have Dante Fowler. Ricardo Allen was he's not himself. No matter what you tell me, Keanu Neal's not himself this year. No, he's not. So that defense that defense is just taking a massive hit. And what makes it even worse is today they put Darquez Denard on the injured reserve. I saw that too. So just let's let's tank for Trevor. We'll go with that one. Oh, All right. I would I would I would like that a lot. <laughs> Moving on to another story. Where should we move next? Um, in the NFL. We can talk about the uh, the Browns. They look pretty good. Browns look all right. Last year, they got a lot of hate because 
the whole they tried to put together Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, and it didn't it didn't work. I mean, they went what eight and eight or seven and nine. Seven and nine, yeah. Yeah, and it just wasn't successful. But this year they look like a different team. It does look pretty different, if you ask me. Week one was a bit shaky, but obviously that's the Ravens' offense, which has been proven that. The Chiefs are just their kryptonite. There's no way around the Chiefs for them, I don't think. But the Browns don't look bad themselves. They're in a three-way tie for first in the AFC North, of which they're in third because they got beat so bad by the Ravens in Week 1. But there's 13 more games, and who knows what's going to happen in those 13 games. Now, you've got the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns, but you've also got the Bengals in that division. Yeah. And they don't look too competitive this year, but man, let's talk about Joe Burrow. He looks good. I, I, he looks promising. He does not look like a bust by any means. No, I, don't, I would say Joe Burrow is most certainly not a bust. But I would also say that I don't know how long Joe Burrow is going to last in this league if they keep throwing him out there to get sacked oh, six or seven, six, seven times, times a, game. a game. Yeah, he's getting sacked a ton. And he has his weapons offensively, but none on the offensive line, and he needs help bad. No, it's it's really bad. I I do like to see T. Higgins breaking out in week three to mm-hmm. give A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd some help. So T. Higgins is a good two or three guy in Cincinnati now. Um, I just I'm really worried about Joe Burrow and his longevity in the league. I think he's tough, and he can he can avoid sacks very well, which is kind of also sad considering he gets sacked six or seven times a game yes but um yeah last week he got sacked eight times from the philadelphia eagles defense which is i mean they have fletcher cox but it's not it's not the best they have a good secondary but their linebackers and their defensive front isn't the best in the world and they should not have sacked joe burrow eight times yeah no well speaking of that game joe burrow led his team to their first non-loss in the Joe Burrow era in Cincinnati, I say non-loss because they tied the Philadelphia Eagles 23-all. The Eagles and Carson Wentz. What are our thoughts on Carson Wentz? Bring in Jalen Hurts. Bring in Jalen Hurts. Bring now, in Jalen Hurts. I agree with you, but at the same time, let's talk about what, like, what would happen in that situation. Carson Wentz obviously is not playing like the $100 million man that the Philadelphia Eagles paid him to no, be. No, he's not. But can you blame it all on him? He's missing three of his five offensive linemen starters. They drafted one wide receiver who's played decent, but he was also out this past yeah. week. So he doesn't have weapons. He doesn't have an offensive line protecting him. And he doesn't really have a run game. Miles Sanders is good. Miles Sanders is decent. 18 carries for 95 yards last week. It's okay, but in an offense built like the Philadelphia Eagles where you run two tight ends on the field all the time, you would expect your running back to get 100 yards Especially a game. Especially with their healthy offensive line as usual. It's one of the best in the game. Exactly. So, that being said, I do agree that bringing in Jalen Hurts would change things a little bit because... Jalen Hurts is known for his scrambling ability and his mm-hmm. ability to avoid the sack and just lead teams through these awful circumstances. Look at what he did against Alabama when Tua went down, or with Alabama when Tua went down in the SEC championship game. Yeah, brought Alabama back from what was it, seventeen down in the yeah, SEC championship? Down. Yeah, yeah, and they won the game. Went to the playoffs. 
That is the Georgia curse. So. But, I mean, Carson Wentz, I don't think he's done by any means, but I would like to see a change if I was a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And Carson Wentz, they won a Super Bowl, but it wasn't even Carson Wentz. It was Nick Foles. It was Nick Foles. And speaking of another guy who probably is done, let's switch over to Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think there was ever really a start with Mitch Trubisky. He got drafted, what, number two overall um, over Patrick Deshaun Mahomes. Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And it does not look like a good pick by Both any Both of whom are Pro Bowls already. Pro Bowlers. Yeah. And uh, I, Mitch Trubisky has to figure something out. He has, as everybody says, the body frame and the ability, but he cannot put it together. He's never had a very successful run at all. I mean, he'll have a couple games here and there where he looks like he might be a decent quarterback, but he has not ever flashed signs of a number two pick in any way. I agree with you. Yep, it look it definitely looks like the Mitch Trubisky era is coming in to an end in Chicago. But let's switch over to the NBA. Let's talk about the NBA Finals. You've got LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers going up against Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and the Miami Heat. What do we think? Uh, game one tomorrow. I personally, uh, I think that the Lakers have the upper hand here. Um, but if I had to choose who I think is going to win the finals, I would say the Miami Heat. Really? Yes, I think, I think that they have a good matchup. Uh, Bam Adebayo can match up pretty well against Anthony Davis, and they have the perimeter shooting to beat the Los Angeles Lakers if they shoot like they should. Obviously, the the big mismatch is LeBron James, but it doesn't matter who the Heat have. LeBron James is going to be a matchup mismatch anyways. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think this is a mismatch for the Lakers. I do think that with Avery Bradley opting not to play in the bubble, their perimeter defense really took a hit. It did. And having to guard Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Jimmy Butler is going to be a very tall task for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and crew. That being said, LeBron James has a very clear track record in the NBA playoffs, and that is that he does not like to lose. And other, oftentimes, other than the six times he's lost, other than the, the six finals. times he's lost in the finals, but of those six <laughs> times, you think about it, who are the who are the six teams he's lost to? He lost to Golden State. He lost to Golden State three times. Yes. One time with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Two times with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and KD. Those are three of his losses. Okay. Now you go all the way back to two thousand and seven, his first NBA Finals. You have on that roster. Two already proven Hall of Fame players and a Hall of Fame head coach mm-hmm. in Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Greg Popovich. And then you fast forward to 2011, the Dallas Mavericks. We don't talk about that one. That was inexcusable. But yeah. you go to the next year and they lose to the Spurs again, who now have three future Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame head coach with the addition of Manu Ginobili. But the Miami Heat, the same thing can be said. They have three future Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach, Eric Spolstra, however the heck you pronounce Spolstra. his name. Spolstra. He will get into the Hall of Fame. He, he's been to six finals. Um, I think this is his, is this his sixth or is his seventh? Let's see. He went to one with D-Wade, Four. one with Shaq and Alonzo Mourning, three with LeBron. So, yeah, six. Yeah. And so he will be a Hall of Fame coach. And LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh will all be in the Hall of Fame. And they should not have... I mean, you can't say that he should win every time he goes to the finals, but they should never have lost to the Mavs. And he lost to the 
Spurs the first time in 2006 whenever he went. He should have won the second time that he played them. And uh, against the Warriors, yeah, they were a good team, but he did have Kyrie Irving and he did have Kevin Love. And I know one finals they got injured, but I he should if he's this great, amazing player, he is. He's top two all time. But if he is this goat, he should be winning these finals. He should not be losing. It doesn't matter who the other team has if he's that good. And he has superstars by his side. He should be winning. And I'm not rooting against LeBron James in this finals. I just like the Miami Heat matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers. And he does have Anthony Davis. But uh, unless Anthony Davis just takes over and LeBron James does LeBron James, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see the Lakers winning. That's an interesting take. I would argue that this finals will make or break LeBron James' legacy. Yeah, if he wins this finals, there's, again, an argument for him to be the GOAT, and it's even stronger. If he loses this, I don't. I think the argument's over. So this is his legacy on the line, and that, that could lead to him having more motivation and him winning the finals, but I, I, I have to go with the Heat. Moving away from the finals and talking about other teams outside of the Lakers and the Heat, let's flash forward to next year. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the top contenders are in the East and the West? I think the Bucks again. I think the Bucks will be strong. Um, Giannis is going to have to figure out something in the offseason because every time he gets in the playoffs, they just guard the perimeter. Or no, they guard the the uh, the bucket, and he can't he can't get there, and he can't shoot from the outside. He's not he doesn't take mid ranges at all, and they just they eliminate his game, and he can't rely on Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe to carry him to the finals. So whether they need to completely reshape their whole team, or whether they need to, or Giannis needs to leave, that's that's up for debate. But I still do like the Bucks. Um, depending on how the 76ers do with their coach, that could be interesting. If they do sign um, the Rockets head coach, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni. If they sign him, that that I like them. Um, obviously, I like the Heat again, and then the Celtics are growing a year older. I like them again too. I do like the Celtics. I like I like those top three. I also like the Raptors in the East, but that was the, that's the only team that I would add. I think Nick Nick Nurse will also end up being a Hall of Fame coach. He He's done very well so far in his career. Uh, what about out west? Next year's interesting because Anthony Davis is a free agent this year. And if Anthony Davis leaves, I don't see the Lakers making the finals. I agree, but I do think that Anthony Davis's spot in Los Angeles is pretty secure on both ends, mm-hmm. especially if they win this finals. If they don't win this finals, it'll be interesting to see, but I do think that Anthony Davis will come back to Los Angeles and go for another title. And then the Clippers, they are interesting. Obviously, they're a contender with Kawhi and Paul George no matter what. Um but Doc Rivers is out, and that that throws a wrench in their plans. Um, I think that they should never have lost the series to the Nuggets, being up 3-1. Oh, I agree. And, and that would have made the Western Conference Finals a lot more interesting than it was, mm-hmm. uh, the Battle of L.A. in Orlando. But um, I, do like the, uh, I do like the Clippers still. And I do like the Nuggets as well. But after after that, it's it's really interesting because the Rockets lost Antony, the Thunder are still up and coming, the Jazz are still interesting. Yeah, the Spurs didn't even make the playoffs. The Pelicans might squeak in there somewhere next year, um, with Zion growing a year older. The Grizzlies could be good. The Mavericks with Luka Doncic. There's there's a lot of teams, but I don't know yeah. if there's any 
powerhouses outside of the Lakers if they re-sign Anthony Davis and the Clippers and possibly the Nuggets too. I do think the West has the potential to be flipped on its head next season. Mm -hmm. I do still like the Lakers and the Clippers to be somewhere in that top three. Mm -hmm. I like the Nuggets to be up there also. So there's there's your one, two, three. But four through eight, like you said, can be weird because you have the Jazz, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Trailblazers, the Suns. Just about every team in that conference is competitive. And it's just going to be... Really interesting to see what happens out west. Now, going back to the east, I do have a couple of surprising teams coming up that I do want to talk about. And the first of them being the hometown Hawks. I do like the Hawks. I do like the Hawks a lot. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Trey Young, John Collins, and Clint Capella. Because I think Trey Young's ability as a scorer is obviously prolific, but his ability as a passer is extremely underrated. Yes, I, I think he got snubbed from a All-NBA team this year for sure. Um, but going forward, the Hawks, they are very promising. Last year, obviously, Capella missed all of the season, so that didn't help them in any way. But now having a prolific rebounder, Clint Capella, and John Collins as well. And then they have Trey Young up top, and then they have a plethora of options with DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, and more, and their pick this year. Um, they could make some noise out east, but I don't. they're not going to be a contender next year, but they could squeak into the playoffs and grow from there. Now you refer to those guys as options, those guys being Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, and DeAndre Hunter. Yes. But those guys, obviously, they're options coming off the bench, but could they also be trade assets? They could be used as trade assets, if you ask me. And there's one guy out there that I would think would really complement Trey Young, John Collins, and Clint Capella very well. Bradley and that's Beal? Drew Holiday. Ooh, Drew Holiday. I do like Drew Holiday. His contract is a little less expensive than Bradley Beal's. It gives us a little more room to work with. You could potentially sign a really good fifth guy with the leftover money you have in yeah. signing Drew Holiday over Bradley Beal. He's an extremely talented defender. He's very good at creating space for himself. He's just as good at passing as Trey Young is. Uh, maybe not just as good, but he's pretty he's, close. He's, he's a good passer. He's, and he takes just enough attention off of Trey Young that Trey Young will now have the ability to work off the ball. Yeah. And you see what golden state does with steph curry and clay thompson you give one of them the ball and the other one just does not stop moving yeah i think that if you can pick up a guard like drew holiday or bradley beal it gives the hawks the ability to do something like that and you could see them just come out of nowhere next year that's possible um i do like the pacers as another team um with victor oladipo coming back next year they they could make some noise out east as well they do have some questions at head coach but that is true that would be Bubble my TJ only concern. Warren. I don't know where he came from, <laughs> but I mean, if he can carry any of that into next year, they could uh, they can make some noise out east too. All right, running a little short on time here. We'll try to wrap it up. Uh, let's move over to the MLB. Let's take let's talk about each of the series coming each up. Series, yeah. So let's let's talk briefly, starting with the Braves and the Reds. What you got? So, obviously, um, as you've seen so far, I am an Atlanta fan, and I have noticed that a lot of people do like the Reds in this series. The Reds have amazing pitching with Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray as their three that are going to start, um, and that does, that does create a mismatch. But the Braves, 
have such good hitting from one to nine. I mean, their nine hole hitter this for the past few weeks has been Ozzy Albies, and that's insane to think about yeah. considering he's a 280 hitter with a 900 OPS and 10 to 12 home runs in the bubble and uh, or in the bubble in the uh, <laughs> in this shortened season. And uh, so I, I do like the Braves. The question obviously is starting pitching. Max Fried, we have to win game one. If we don't win game one, it's it's struggle bus because game two we're starting two rookies and Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright and um, we're pretty much hoping that we can get one start out of the one or two of them and win from there but the most important game is game one and you have to win with Max Reed. I agree with you. Uh, one thing I will say is the biggest concern for most people about Atlanta is the starting pitching of Cincinnati but you've seen Atlanta go up against some top-notch pitchers this year. You saw them give Garrett Cole fits. They gave him his worst outing of the entire season. You saw them make Aaron Nola look like your average pitcher. He looked like Kyle Wright has for the Braves. Yeah. He he looked bad. And they've done that to just about every pitcher this year. Yeah. The Braves lineup has. Streaking Pablo Sanchez they put up twelve runs on in the first (laughs) couple innings. So I mean it the the strong pitching isn't gonna be too much of a problem, but if they can keep them if they if the pitching of the Cincinnati Reds can keep the Braves silent the first seven, six seven innings, and they can tee off on ours, it's going to create the same thing we've seen all season where the Braves have to score in the last three innings to win the game. Not much to talk about with the next series, in my opinion. Uh, you've got the Cubs and the Marlins. I do think there is a little bit to talk about there. The it's a three game series, so the Marlins will have Sixto Sanchez, Pablo. Uh, Pablo Sanchez, and um, I don't know who the third star is going to be, but I think Sixto could win a game easily. And I so I think there's very room for an upset. In my bracket, I actually did have the Marlins upsetting the Cubs. Interesting. Um, but the the problem with the Cubs is also starting pitching. They, I mean, they have John Lester. They have Kyle Hendricks. They have... You Darvish. You, they do have you Darvish. They do have you Darvish. That's, that's their one game one. They got that one. Um, they have Jose Quintana. They have guys. They have names, but those names aren't producing. They're giving out money to those guys, and they're just they're not returning that. Kyle Hendricks looked like a Cy Young a couple years ago, but he slowed down as his velocity hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse, and his con- command has gotten worse as well. Uh, John Lester is old. He's good in the playoffs, so we'll see if he, if he can do that. But um, the lineups, obviously the Cubs are – have a much better lineup, mm-hmm. um, but it is a three-game series, very short, very quick. So the Marlins have been good all year somehow, and I they I think they could keep it rolling, um, but it, it, that's that's most likely Cubs. But I I could see the Marlins upsetting there. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And then you've got the four-five matchup in San Diego and St. Louis. Who do you have there? I have the Padres. That one too. That one. I think that one's pretty pretty obvious. I would agree with you. Um, you have a good game from Jack Flaherty uh, pitching for the Cardinals. But other than that, the hitting of the San Diego Padres is just incredible. Fernando Tatis Jr. is another story. I would argue that this is probably the most electrifying prospect to come into the league since Ronald Acuna. Yeah, him and Juan Soto, and then you have Fernando Tatis. Vlad was supposed to be very electrifying, and he has the name, and he's putting up good numbers, but he's nowhere mm-hmm. near the the uh, the prospect that – Fernando Tatis is and right now Fernando Tatis isn't even the best hitter on the Padres Manny Machado put up an amazing 60 games Mm -hmm. and there I just Will Myers hit two grand slams in that streak and he's been hitting the heck out of the ball Trent Grisham has been killing the ball Jake Cronenworth might win rookie of the year 
I mean, the Padres look good. So I, I, I have the Padres. All right, next matchup. Uh, can we both just agree that the Dodgers take it from Milwaukee in two? Yes. All right, moving on. <laughs> We've got Dodgers. the A's and the White Sox, of whom have already played. Who won that one today? The uh, White Sox won. That's what I figured. Lucas Giolito went six innings perfect, took a perfect game into the seventh inning, and uh, they ran away with that one. Jose Abreu, my MVP for the AL, hit a home run. Um, and even before this series, even though the White Sox were ranked seven, they were the number one seed last week and had a really bad week to end the year and fell to number seven. Um, but I, I, before the series, I had the White Sox taking it. Yeah, I like the White Sox this year. They look very good this season. Um, moving on to the Astros and the Twins. Who do you like there? They also played today. The Astros stole a game because Jorge Polanco does not know how to throw a baseball. Um, I Coming into the series, it was interesting because the Astros have the talent and the names but they just have not been playing well at all this year. And they also don't have trash cans this year. They don't have trash cans either. <laughs> the, the bang, bang. Um, but the Twins, they look good. The Their starting pitching is pretty solid. Their bullpen is decent. Their hitters are they bomba, bomba squad. Um, so I liked the Twins coming into the series, but after the Astros take game one, I think it would be really hard for the Twins to win two in a row. So I'm, I'm going to go Astros only because of the game that happened today. I just think the Astros have far too much batting talent, too much offensive firepower. And they, they've proven that over the last they have. four or five years. Whether they were using trash cans or not, those guys can hit and they can rake. Yes. So I do like the Astros to take that one out and finish it strong. Moving on to the Yankees and the Indians. Who do we like there? I like the Yankees. I mean, the Indians, they have the starting pitching to win a three-game series. They have a starting pitching to win a four or seven uh, seven-game series Shane as well. Bieber. More than likely the AL Cy Young this oh, season. yes. Yeah. Won the Triple Crown, even though it's 60 games. He still won the Triple Crown. Absolutely. He'll get it. Um, and then they have Cookie Carrasco. And then they have Plesak. They have uh, they have some options for their three and four. Um, but they, I just don't think they can keep up with the hitting of the Yankees. Uh, like, right now we're watching Shane Bieber. He's given up five runs. I'm not sure how many of those are earned, but that's not a good look for the rest of their rotation. And uh, I, I have the Yankees winning this one. I think a two-game sweep. I can agree with you there. And then your number one seed, Tampa Bay Rays, taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I have noticed some people putting the uh, Toronto Blue Jays upset, but I'm, I'm not for that at all. I like the Rays, and I think that they will take care of the Blue Jays like they should. Um, they have good pitching. They have good hitting. They have an amazing bullpen. The, I, they're my favorite to go to the uh, the ALCS from that bracket. I think they beat the, Ra- or I th- think they beat the Yankees. Um, and if they do take care of the Yankees, they I think they will advance to the World Series. But that I think that's the I think that's the biggest series that, that will come out of the AL will be the Yankees Rays in round two. I can agree with you there. And then MVP picks. Who do we like in the NL? Freddie Freeman. I like Freddie Freeman also. I mean, obviously that's a hometown pick, but I looked at the numbers. You stack them up next to each other. You have Mookie Betts. You have Manny Machado or Fernando Tatis, either one. Um, and you have. Freddie Freeman, and Freddie Freeman just kills in every category. I mean, I think the only one that I saw that Mookie Betts went uh, beat Freddie Freeman in was uh, Baseball Reference War, whereas um, Freddie Freeman had a higher F war. Um, and then obviously home runs, but I don't think home runs, six home runs should equate for an MVP whenever Freddie Freeman beat them in every other category. Yeah. So I, I think I, I like Freddie Freeman. I, I agree with you there. I think Freddie Freeman is a pretty comfortable, solid candidate for National League MVP. 
And then how about Cy Young in the National League? I like Trevor Bauer. I like. I think Trevor Bauer wins it also. I think he had a really good season. He had a few too many losses he did. for me, but he was lights out all year long. Had the most strikeouts in the National League. And then I think you, Darvish, and Max Fried are both close behind him. I just think Max Fried did way too much for this roster. He obviously exceeded expectations, but you don't take that kind of thing into account when you're voting on a Cy Young Award winner. That's very true. So. Um, you, Darvish, did have eight wins, and he had a 206 ERA. <laughs> had almost one and a half times as many strikeouts as he did innings pitched. So I could see you Darvish taking that too. But um, Trevor Bauer, I think I think Trevor Bauer takes it. I can agree there. Uh, AL MVP, I think you mentioned it earlier. You like Jose Abreu? I do like Jose Abreu. Um, he put together quite the season, made the White Sox. I mean, people thought the White Sox were going to be good, but I don't think that anybody thought that they were going to be this good. Him and Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito, obviously, pitching-wise, they they really came out of nowhere, and they stole the show. Jose Abreu hit 317, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, and a 987 OPS, and I think that he deserves it. Um, a lot of people do want to value the position, and that's one of the arguments against Freddie Freeman, but I think the same thing applies here. I think Jose Abreu has just been too good to not give it to him. I can agree with you there. Again. I feel like we have a lot of the same yeah. opinions. Uh, um, Mike Trout, obviously, everybody wants to put Mike Trout, but I think just because it was a 60-game season, the Trout always plays amazing, and he played amazing again, but the fact that his team didn't make the playoffs, I think that should completely eliminate him. Same reason it eliminated Juan Soto in the NL. Yeah, I agree with you again. And uh, A.L. Cy Young, I think we can Triple both crown. agree. Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber. Yeah. Yes. All right, well. Um, one more question. Pick for the World Series. Who do you have? For the World Series in the National League, I like the Dodgers. I like the Dodgers to beat the Braves in six, probably, in the yes. NLCS. In the American League, hmm, American League's tough to pick. It was really competitive this year. But I, I think I like either the Rays or the Yankees. Whoever wins that series, I like to go to yeah. the World Series. Um, I, I do agree with you on the Yankees-Rays. Um, I do think that there is a potential that the Braves could beat the Dodgers, but I feel like that's more of a hometown pick than anything. The Dodgers have killed us the lot, for as long as I can remember. So I, I think it'll be a Dodgers, Yankees, or Rays World Series. And then um, I don't think the Dodgers win, so I think the uh, I think the AL team that goes in there will take it from them. I don't yeah. think the Dodgers – the Dodgers have just never been good in the World Series, and Clayton Kershaw has never been a playoff pitcher. I don't I don't think they win it this year, maybe next year. I agree with you again there. And it looks like that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. You guys, uh, give give us some feedback. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know if there's anything else you want to talk about. I know we didn't talk about college football today. We'll talk about that next week. Or if we do another one later this week, we'll talk about it then also. Yes. Because there is a lot of good stories coming out of college football right now. Especially with the Big Ten coming back in next month and the Pac-12 coming back in in November. Things will get really interesting starting then. But I think for tonight, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See y'all later.